Hello and welcome to episode 226 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we're bringing to you to this week more near Automata, continuing our discussion from last week. All four of us have beaten the game, me by the skin of my teeth. About two hours ago, I rolled credits, and were they ever a credits? <laughs> um, I, I think we might d- dedicate the last 40 minutes of this podcast to the end credits of Route E. But, um, I'm down with that. Yeah, but, but before we um, exactly divide up that pie, let's rest, uh, introduce the rest of the podcast. Uh, joining me today is Zach Wilkerson. There. Uh, Caitlin Argyros. Hello. And Joe Padilla. Hi. So, <laughs> um, we only talked about um, the A route of Nier Automata in uh, part one of the, our podcast. That's just the, fir- the first time you're playing the game. 2B is your mate. Uh, they're... The Android 2B is your main character, but now I have to put an asterisk on her name for, for something we'll get into later. And uh, and you roll credits once. But part of this game is playing it multiple times and learning more about the lore and world of Nier Automata in subsequent playthroughs. You use a character named 9S in Route B, and then Route C you, you use uh, 9S again plus another Android named A2, and... 2B, 9S, and A2 each bring something different to the table. Um, going right into the B route playthrough, it's it roughly covers the same events of the A route playthrough. In fact, the exact same events, but from the uh, perspective of 9S instead of 2B. So a lot of it is just straight up exactly the same as Route A, but a lot of it is when 9S is doing something differently than 2B, um, and also reflects just 9S's different skill set Oh, you know, and, and, and different actions that he, he takes versus what 2B takes. So, uh, starting with you, Caitlin, what's some, whether it's B or C or another weird ending, what is something that we learned about in this in the later playthroughs that really surprised you or put the first playthrough in a bigger context? And it's okay if you jump to the end or jump jump around a little bit. We're, we are spoiling everything about this game in this, in this uh, new episode. Oh, well, I mean, I think that all of Route C is kind of like the head turn for the game. Like, it's just thing. the way that that route starts, it almost feels like you're in a double feature and you're like, you see the credits in Route B and then it's like, well, here's the sequel immediately after the credits. Here's what happened. And then everything goes to shit and everything is different after that. Like, it feels weird playing A2 after... To be is basically you know mercy killed by her. Yeah, and and, um, and and you're talking about the change in the world state. It's like a post-apocalyptic world had a second apocalypse, <laughs> right? Like the, the 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 tower popping up out of nowhere, and then figuring out how to get into it, and then exploring. And it was it was really weird. It was like it could almost have been like a second game, but they just threw it in there as a as another route. And then um, talking about like revelations that really shocked me. I think learning the truth about Project Yorha, like not even not even the truth that 9S learns at the end of Route B about humanity already being long dead and, and Yorha being basically just a ploy to increase morale, but the truth about, pro- like the end date of Project Yorha and how they were going to end the project was a shocker. And then that asterisk that you talked about with 2B's mm-hmm. name, I... I was not prepared for that, and I loved how the game gave you hints uh, earlier from like 
little snippets in hacking sequences where A2 is experiencing some of 2B's memories, 2B's reaction to 9S after the prologue and then at the end of Root and A and B when she has to to kill him made so much more sense. And uh, yeah, and, it, it, her words exactly at the end of A and B are why does it always have to end like this? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. W- which made it which made it seem like she had done this before, which, you know, I, I contextualized it first saying, oh, okay, root A, root B, they, maybe this is like a, um, a zero escape thing where people remember previous playthroughs as like as sort of like a background memory. But it's it's not it's, – it's a little bit more literal than that. She has executed 9S in that way or in a similar way many times before because she's an execution unit mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's part of the Yorha cover-up. Did you ever really expect that a side quest that you did that introduced the concept of execution units was going to come back and actually be a thing for the main story? Like that that makes the wandering couple and amnesia side quests both even more powerful um, on a second playthrough. I mean, it's amazing. And and it made um the side quests like uh um your assignments to take out rogue Yorha units Mm -hmm. um a little bit more on the nose. Like, like she, mm-hmm. she's not doing this because she's an all-purpose unit. She's doing this because this is, she's an execution unit that's really designed for it. Yeah. And it, and uh, and one other thing that uh, surprised me a little bit. Basically, uh, listeners, Yorha is the uh, is the special um, android organization that Tubi and Nine S and A Two come from. Which is, you know, not just all not all androids. Like uh, all androids have existed for hundreds of years before Yorha. Yorha is the special android, our special android op- operatives that are involved in the cover up of the extinction of humanity. And like I think a timeline they give us was that uh, humanity was wiped out in the th- in the thirty eight hundreds or so. And then uh, I, I think at one point they mentioned that the robot war has been going on since. Um, the fi- 500s or, fi- or 5100s AD, but then when at, at the end of D route, you learn a little bit of uh, extra context for two, uh, 9S's creation, and it mentioned that it was the year 11,300. Yeah, it's been a long time. So either the Android Machine War has been going on for that long, or possibly there had maybe I'm maybe I'm a big dummy about this. Like, has Yorha founded and then refounded itself and the bunker exploded and been rebuilt several times or 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 have a really dark way to think about it because if you think about the ending then that would actually um i mean it's still possible you still got two androids left so yeah yeah or Or three don't you see see a2 as well yes a2 is there as well you're right yes 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 Yes, i'm not i'm not sure if just the rough events of what takes place in the game, just like uh, the the, the uh, machines and androids on Earth being wiped out and rebuilt. I don't know if, if that has just happened several times and the 2B gets assigned multiple 9S units, or if it's larger scale than that and all of Yora has been built and rebuilt multiple times over the millennia. It, it it's But the... the uh, the context here is, is the, these aren't just like alternate realities, these different playthroughs. These are, these might be on a single timeline, which mm. just p- puts everything that happens in the game in a larger, bleaker context. Uh, Joe, what was something that we learned in playthroughs beyond A 
that uh, that surprised you or, or if you found the most intriguing? One word, Pascal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Let's get into this. Yes. For Pascal. It's Pascal, I, I think, is such a, a wonderful, um, heartbreaking centerpiece of this game. And I think it kind of ties into the... Um, this like how many times has Yorha and the Yorha project been dismantled and rebuilt and sold this lie and continue and until time, until time ends essentially. Um, and you kind of see this um, in Pascal and you see it in this idea that he could potentially be making the same mistakes over and over again. Um, because of when you're in the factory, um, and this is jumping, this is jumping ahead a little bit. No, we're we're going to jump all over the place. Um, you're, oh yeah, you're, you're yeah. talking about a scene during some of one of the A2 sequences in the C route, where A2 and Pascal um, are uh, flee the robot village, which has been attacked by berserk machines, and uh, Pascal is um, is trying to safeguard a group of of machine children from the village. Mm-hmm. And he is unable to do that. Um, he first breaks his pacifism, and he fights a he fights an Engels robot. Um, well, he takes is... he takes over his own Engels robot, and then you have a you have a straight up kaiju battle between giant yeah. between two giant Engels, <laughs> which I think mm-hmm. I which I think I mentioned in the in the first episode. I thought that Engels robots res- resemble offshore oil platforms, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to give you a, and, an idea of the feeling of uh, of scale in this fight. And and it's supposed to be this like very blown out uh, version of Engels' uh, critiques on Pascal. <laughs> which is just ridiculous, but I love that it's two giant, essentially mechanical kaiju instead of words on a paper. Fabulous, brilliant. Um, so he breaks his pacifism. He returns to where he thinks he's keeping the, the children, as he calls them, safe. Um, and they have all killed themselves because he... Uh, basically, fear. Yeah. he taught them fear to keep them safe or to give them a sense of humanity, but that fear was too great for them, and they just killed themselves because they were so terrified. Um, yeah, I, I think Pascal's reasoning was that humans have fear as a means of self-preservation, <laughs> and and robots should have fear for the same reason, but. Uh, they were missing some ingredient in the human psyche or the, the, the machines were that, uh, th- that, that didn't allow fear to completely, you know, snowball into despair and suicide, which is just completely heartbreaking because, uh, Pascal is the machine that I think maybe the only one that really demonstrates empathy. Yeah. Uh, Pascal's characterized by wanting peace above all others, and want and uh, believing that androids and machines can live and work together, and is always uh, um, reaching out to the uh, to the main character androids for for assistance, and uh, has a relationship with an enemy at the uh, um, at the resistance camp. But for Pascal to take the things that 
he wants to protect the most, the, the, the children of the village he founded, and to walk in on them all having committed suicide because of a miscalculation, basically, is just the most heartbreaking thing in the world. And at the end of that scene, Pascal gives you the option, please either kill me or completely reset me. Well, I mean, some... and also actually just walk away from him too. Or, or oh, you can do that too. Oh, shit. yeah, I, I'm, he... I did. I'm not. I've, I've always reset him. I'm, I, I, <laughs> I, I, re, I reset him, and I am not cold blooded enough to walk away. Holy smoke! No, who? Oh ho, ho. my! I, 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 <laughs> I that possibility. Again, I was, I was up late last night, um, get, getting through Route C, but I would not have been able to sleep and like easily if I had done that. Ew. Well, a couple, a couple of thoughts as to the fear. I think, and it's about I mean, Pascal's this is, wager, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I think also just within the context of the game, I think it's that Heens. There wasn't like a, a maturation process for those for the children, um, and I mean this is just very like kind of spitballing, but you know, as as an adult, I think, and as adults, I think we know so much more about the world and we are kind of infinitely more terrified of it uh, than we were as children because we understand so much more about it. But with that comes like maturation and the, and, and the ability to be able to uh, find some way to sleep at night, at least most nights, some nights <laughs> on occasion. Um, Usually I'm just so tired. I don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. You just and then you wake up screaming, and then eventually, you know, it goes to a dull roar, and you rinse or repeat. Um, <laughs> but I think that's kind of what happened: is they probably have the same sense of fear that Pascal does, but they don't have the the experience or maturation to be able to cope with that, um, leading to their own suicide. And when Pascal gives you that choice, I also reset him i did not know you could walk away but um mm -hmm. when i replay this game i'm going to walk away because i am because i don't i don't feel right that i'm that even though he's handing me this choice i don't feel it's my choice to make i don't feel mm -hmm. like it's my judgment even though it is a choice to leave him he has to decide for himself whether to die and what really sealed that for me um i was agonizing over this decision in this game i walked around my apartment for 15 minutes <laughs> thinking about the ethical implications of it i felt like cheaty from the good place or something <laughs> <laughs> cheaty okay if cheaty had played near automata i think I, he I, wouldn't I, have gotten past he would be no, absolutely like not. Oh, no. okay um uh, uh, listeners for the uninitiated the good place is a uh, sitcom that is about moralism and uh uh excuse me and 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 ethics in addition to being you know a, a meditation on the nature of heaven and hell uh and, and really she, funny and, and extremely funny it's a, it's by mike Schur, who uh worked on the office and parks and recreation and, and and Brooklyn Nine Nine, which are three other excellent sitcoms, but uh, uh, the, in, the, the, there's a character named Chidi who has absolutely crippling inability to make to make choices, even simple ones. And the nature of choice in Nier Automata, and the and the the way Nier Automata comments on uh, 
on moral relativism and philosophy would make it also the perfect game for Cheaty and a literal hel- a, a literal hellscape for Cheaty. Um, they should I, have I, just had him play this game. There yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, th- I think one of the demons could have just given him this game and say, you have all of eternity to finish this game. Go ahead. <laughs> and that would have been a perfect torture for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in, in that playthrough, did anyone who reset uh, Pascal... Did anyone talk with him afterwards? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you go back to Pascal's village and just... Um, I mean, he says that he, he doesn't understand why it's so empty and so quiet and so beautiful, if I'm remembering correctly, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he also has all the cores of the children, and he sells them to you as junk because yeah. he doesn't remember what they are. Oh, oh. I forgot about that. Why'd you have to remind me? Because <laughs> it's part of the, the gut-wrenching. Oh, no. It's what you deserve. I mean, I reset him, too. I reset him, too, because you have to if you want to get all the weapons and all the trophies. And I was yeah. like, if I ever want to be a completionist when I come back to this game, I want the option. Yeah. But um, even though yeah. the chapter select makes it a trivial thing to change your mind if you want to. but yeah, and I, I think it's And I think it's so that that reset choice on kind of a final note of it is so is so twisted because like through that playthrough especially we've seen that these uh robots and these machines they don't learn really Mm-mm. yeah they there's a line are, even that other explains that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they they are doomed they... to make the same mistakes over and over again so by resetting him He's probably going to do exactly what he just did. Yeah, I mean, I think in the same turn though, what what does he do if you let him keep his memories? You know what I mean? I feel like in that circumstance, like the the volume of pain that Pascal's going to experience cripples him into no longer being able to do the things he was able to do. So the I game, think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. The game doesn't really answer that question too. Yeah. If you if you don't do anything, if you just leave him, he doesn't appear again. You don't see him again. And so it's it, it's it's up to you, I guess, to interpret whether that means that he continues living and finds a way to work through it, or if he just you know jumps into that canyon with all the other uh, robot or other machines that you find in that side quest, the uh, the machines who tried to kill themselves by throwing themselves into the the ravine by the uh, commercial district. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, something um, like that. G- going back in time a little bit, we don't know how many times this has happened. We, yeah, we, I we, think we 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 know that uh, that um that there's been. Uh, in this game, it, it like it it views these replays as and new endings as cycles, basically. So it's possible that Pascal has built his mach- has built his machine village, uh, had it burned down to the ground, and then machines be uh, and then him and others be reset to rebuild it and then sh- burn it down again. It's possible this has happened dozens of times. Yeah, and, yeah and, and, I, think, and, and, I think the game hints at that heavily with the various like you know. In Route B, 9S has that, that that hacking sequence where he explains about how the machines will keep doing the same thing. If they fail at a task, they'll just keep repeating the mistake over and over. They don't learn from their mistakes. And then there's the fact that Pascal looks – he looks – he's a unique model. There's no other machine mm. in the game that looks like him. And you could possibly infer that that means he's an older model that has just survived. Right, and, yeah repeated the same cycle over and over again it's possible that the bipeds that pascal had in his village like weren't all like little stubby legged trash cans (laughs) 
And, and I want to uh, going to back to robot designs. I think that it's very deliberate the way that the uh, most of the robots in this game are these sort of little little cylinders with with blank faces, or th- that are sometimes a little bit more complicated. Like you have the stacking ones and the ones that are more humanoid and bipedal, but they all sort of start with these rounded edges edges and these cylinders and blank faces. I I think that's a really deliberate choice to make them seem sort of like having a non-threatening demeanor while the players know they're dangerous and and also just to be uh like an, an expression of of blankness like like these are yeah. they remind me of dragon quest slimes because of course they do <laughs> me, me me being who i am but just just the, the blank expression the sort of signature look of the game is the i think the signature design in this game other, other than 2b and 9s themselves are these robots and they're in there's so there's such a way that they can be violent or peaceful or regular enemies or something you want to help just i i don't know just just the blank slate nature of them i i think is a very very deliberate choice and i kind of love them (laughs) yeah i think that was kind of an intentional choice because i was i remember even back in route a uh i kept you know thinking uh, once you find, once you, even before you meet Pascal, when you get to the amusement park and there's robots or machines that are not, they're just having fun. They don't want to fight you. I kept thinking, you know, we're not meant to view these machines as uh, as universally evil the way that Tubi and the Android, and well, the Yorhai androids at least, want to view them. I, I kept wondering if the game was going to have a big arc about uh, that sort of ultimate philosophical question of are they inherently our our enemies are they inherently evil do we have to kill all of them or is it possible for them to change or is it possible for us to to have a peace with them and i mean they they kind of do uh but they didn't necessarily go into it the way that i expected them to in fact i i kind of felt like the introduction of the uh the twin girls and the Mm -hmm the new uh, sort of life uh, controlling force over the machine life forms felt a little, it felt a little out of left field. Like I understood the, the, the explanation given, um, especially there was, there's a lot of discussion given to that. And you, you find one of like Jackass's uh, uh, research notes where she kind of break da- breaks down what happened after Adam and Eve were destroyed. And I get it, but it also felt a kind of a little weird. I was I was expecting a different direction, not sort of just like a, oh hey we're a you know new amalgamation. We formed a new network and we've formed conclusions about humans and androids, and you all still suck. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, and it's not even the new network so much as the oldest network of them all. For me, I actually kind of like that it uh, goes away from the direction of exploring. Are machines inherently good? Are machines and machines inherently bad? And it kind of, I mean, I think that it, it answers that question sort of inherently by just saying yes and no and not at all. Um, and to me, the the machine network element instead it sort of like is like that voice in the back of our heads all the time. And in particular, 9S, who I want to talk a lot about here. Um, the voice in the back of 9S's head about like the idea that nothing means anything and nothing matters, regardless of yes, no, maybe so. And I think that those other questions have been explored a lot in JRPGs, whereas this one and the, game, and the issues that are explored here, I don't think are explored 
nearly as frequently in games. So, I mean, I, I, I do think it's out of left field, but for, for me, like, I just, I like it. I don't know. <laughs> so it works for me. I just kept wanting them to address the obvious, like, sticking point. You're all robots. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, androids, point, they, machines, they're all, like, they're all robots. Like, I mean, on. at some point, they're, they're all the, automata, uh, you could even say. <laughs> They yeah. realize later that the machine cores are the same as the Android cores, right? Doesn't yeah, yeah. that happen at some point in the library? Yes, yeah. in the library yeah. you learn that um, it's it's not all Androids, but um, the ones in the Yorha project, their black boxes oh, okay. are, are based on machine cores. So, uh, it, because remember, like um, the first Androids were made in the three thousands uh, before the aliens invaded and made the first machines. Um, but 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 still. Um, like the game already teases the question, what's the difference between a machine and an android? A little bit, it, like from very early, and then it the library makes it clear that there's even fewer differences than 9s uh, had assumed. And going into this, I, I think that one sort of important distinction is 2b, a2, and 9s's attitudes towards the machines all, all sort of eventually go to this neutral place, but. Like 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 two B hates machines and executes them out of duty more than anything else. Uh, A two has a uh, a really tragic revenge backstory that uh, that and and is is maybe and is probably considerably older than all the other characters in the game to to uh, to wit that she may have seen this cycle happen multiple times for all we know since she since she's uh, disconnected from the from the Yorha bunker. Um, and, and and could probably uh, expose the cover up completely if she wanted to, and uh, and and Nine S goes into this with an inquisitive mind, uh, and 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 more and and a more wanting to understand feel a more a, a feeling of wanting to understand more than two B or A two, that gets him you know flying too close to the sun as it were with uh with the information of yorha and the nature of machines it's 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 so crazy that this game takes a a sci-fi concept that all four of us have seen probably dozens of times uh yeah. like 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 uh what is humanity uh what make what's the difference between a um between a human and a, a human intelligence and an artificial intelligence it takes these concepts and has them go in some traditional directions and some truly wild directions in a way that got me completely attached. And I think that Yoko Taro, Yoko Taro, that manipulative bastard gets us so attached only to, you know, just rip our hearts out of our chests. Um, this might be kind of a difficult con- conversion for it, but I kind of read it um, between the, the, the machines and the androids um somewhat in a similar space to how um race is viewed in in modern society and how there's all this biological essentialism and there's like these like very racist ideas as to like how you know uh how people from the, from the African continent are built versus white folks and stuff like that and it's like i mean it's all just it's all ridiculous. It's all just right. this created stratification, and it's and it's really. Um, I'm not sure that's exactly what they were going for um, no, I, I, in the game, but I think it can be seen in that light as this um, as this ridiculous exercise of perhaps there was a 
<laughs> oh boy. Uh, perhaps there was this being who allowed for these for these stratifications and for these um, forces to create racism out of material conditions. And, um, and in a way they're kind of laughing at us and they're like, why do you keep repeating these same cycles of, of violence and of hatred when you're just beating yourselves into the ground? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, yeah, the whole game could just be a commentary on history repeating itself, which is just the very concept of that. And, uh, and, and, um, having it in the context of race or even just war and global conflict, because uh, I mean, this whole, we talked about this in the previous episode, but this is a war that's being fought over and over with uh, whose root causes the, uh, you know, um, uh, defending humanity from machines, um, this alien invasion that brought the machines to earth, like uh, with the originators of the war long dead, just, just the, um, and history repeats itself because this war and this even this conflict in the war just happens over and over, and it is mm-hmm. completely pointless. And then at, during yeah. the end credits of Route E, like they even ask you, "Is there any point to any of this?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Very I think explicitly. that, and I like that it it points out that the things that they think they're fighting for or that they pretend to be fighting for aren't real. Um, and you know, in Nine S is rage um, over the meaninglessness of everything, and everyone else's. Um, sort of acceptance of that. Like, you know, I, I feel like it, Taro is definitely taking a shot at things like people worrying over religion, people worrying over national and peace, people worrying over race. I think it's all there. And I think Taro, Taro even said with the original Nier that one of the things he was criticizing was the Iraq war. So I, I certainly don't think, I think that he's pointing out the the meaninglessness of the differences and, you know, how those distinctions aren't really real um, because the things that we put our faith in like, you know, Pascal's wager and this idea that you have to, you know, believe in God because you should, because you need to be afraid because what's the other alternative. Again, you you putting your, your faith in something that ultimately is meaningless um, will lead you down a path that, you know, leads to conflict and it's all, it doesn't mean anything. And you should instead talk to each other, uh, which seems simple, but I think that the game does a really good job of getting us there. Well, uh, we've gotten on quite a few tangents just from a uh, just from a, uh, asking the question: What is what was a change from between a route and the future routes that we found interesting or enlightening? Um, <laughs> the, the one for me is is probably uh, just how much we learn about a two. Like like at, at, in route A, you think of her as just a rogue android, but in uh, the future routes you realize just how the war and her life have, has embittered her to the, to everything going on on earth, especially uh, a hatred of machines. And there's a side quest that illustrates this specifically. Um, after the A2 boss fight uh, in any of the routes, including A, you can uh, speak to an enemy and uh, uh, anemone. I'm, I'm not going to get that right at one time this entire, this entire month. And I apologize. Uh, <laughs> You can speak to anemone and um, and basically find some uh, eh, some residual data from A2's fights. So if you j- just visit some semi-random spots from around the map and you uh, get some A2 data and show it to anemone, and uh, anemone will hint that uh, A2 used and anemone used to be close friends or at least allies. 
and later on in Sea Route, you can get to uh, you can unlock some archives. That's uh, that that's basically just a text only story. Well, no, you know what? I lied. It's not text only. It's uh, te- text with accompanying music um, that goes into uh, some important missions that uh, took place. Like it look, it sounds like at the start of the founding of Yorha. So presumably in the in the uh, between 3800 and 5200 AD. So, uh, and with Anemone predating that, and A2 being one of the maybe very first Yorha units, gives you, and, uh, and the knowledge that uh, 9S, R9S was built in the 11,000s, gives you an idea of, the, of how, much, how much war and despair Anemone and A2 have seen. So, just giving context to A2, especially with that side quest, uh, made her a much more interesting character to me, but that also goes into a topic that I wanted to get to in this episode. Um, these side quests, both for just the, the, the dialogue that you get and the uh, concepts they explore and the and the drama that you see in these various side quests are very special. Like, some side quests are, um, I don't know... Uh, collecting some animal hides for a, a merchant and are basically j- just, you know, not important in the long run. But some of them have ties to other characters in the story or illustrate or foreshadow uh, ideas that will be extremely important later in the story and are, are if not essential, just really incredible as part of the story tapestry of Nier. And, uh, and and one that we mentioned, I think, in the previous episode and off air is the wandering couple. Now, I have a confession to make. I didn't finish the wandering couple again because I got I got because I got ca- I got caught off I got cut off in the same part of the story again. Uh, but it, but it was not on but it was not due to lack of effort. I knew about the wandering couple side quest. I knew I had to go to the flooded city at a certain part of the game. I thought that I would be cut off from the side quest when I did the story stuff in the flooded city, but that I was slightly incorrect in that assumption. What you have to do is do that side quest in the flooded city before Anemone even tells you about it. So once you, Anemone mentions the mission in the flooded city, that that side quest is shut off, and that's what happened to me. <laughs> uh, so again, through the, due to a, a mistake on my part, and not and not. Uh, not uh, by ignoring or forgetting did I miss the wandering couple side quest this time. So, uh, uh, Caitlin, can you give us an abridged version of it and then especially talk about its resolution, which I have not officially seen but may yet later? Sure. Uh, okay, so you run into this couple of resistance members first uh, in, I believe, in Pascal's village. And they basically, they want to just go away. They're, they're done fighting. They just want to be on their own and, 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 and forge their own path uh, on their own. So you help them try to do that. And then you run into them again and things have gone to shit. Um, when you find them in the flooded city, they are separated. Uh, the, uh, one of them is, is severely wounded and you have to try and help them find uh, their friend and you do that, uh, you do eventually get them back together, and the the woman of the two, it's a woman and a man, she convinces her, her beau, I guess, I think it's implied that they're not just partners, but they're together, uh, she convinces him that they have to go back to the resistance because they obviously can't 
make it on their own. But she also convinces him that they have to wipe their memories. Otherwise, I guess, you know, they would be uh, deserters and might be destroyed or whatnot. So she convinces him to do that. And you are asked to facilitate the memory wipe. And conveniently, we wipe the guy's memories first. And then the the plot twist occurs and she reveals that she is going to tweak certain aspects of his personality that she, that she doesn't like, or that she thinks won't allow them to survive out there on their own. And that not only is she doing this, she has done this multiple times in the past to change this person, this Android, her partner into this sort of ideal partner for her. Uh, I have, and I, I said I helped because I believed, I genuinely believe that that's, I, I felt actually when I got to that point where there was like, they were like, let's go back to the resistance camp, wipe our memories and just go back. I was actually kind of like, it, it didn't seem like it was this amazing ending. I was actually kind of disappointed. And then when she reveals her true colors, I felt so used and I felt dirty. I have never felt so sick about a side quest yeah. In part because of my participation in this horrible manipulative uh, scheme that this woman has been running for her partner for possibly years and maybe decades or centuries, you know, depending on how long they've been together. This now I've read about this, so I knew how the uh, how the side quest ended because I was so upset that I missed the event flag for it that I did some that I did some re- reading on my own. But this is. I have a, I have so many thoughts about this. This is treating a relationship like an experiment, where she's uh, like she's able to start a new experiment, tweak some variables, and have it play out again, and, and which is sick. And at one level, at another level, this is another commentary on you know history repeating itself and just the the cyclical nature of near automata where this we don't know how many times this uh relationship has happened for for all we know uh dozens or hundreds. And and I there's mean, doesn't she say it's the sixth or seventh so, time? Yeah, okay, she says six. Okay, she okay she actually says it a number of times. Yeah, yeah. Still, that is a startling number. Still a lot. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and that that made me think, you know, you know, some weird thoughts like like would I ever have the opportunity to if I ever had the opportunity to reset a relationship and try it again like like you know Groundhog Day style like like would I want that like how this is your this is just messing with people in a way that's not okay. And and also, just after I beat the game and I thought about the different side quests, this made me th- realize um, this like is... 9S, yeah. A little like to be a 9S, but it's also not like the machines. Um, machines repeat uh, repeat actions in a cyclical way and don't and make the same mistakes over and over, uh, but they put in the same variables every time because they're reset every time. It, it, this This person is doing the same experiment multiple times, but it, it is still repeating it even though she's treating it like an experiment and not like and not like a failed cycle of uh, of infinite repetition. But it, she's still repeating. It's again, I think it's just a larger commentary on history repeats itself and uh, everything's pointless. I think it's also a commentary on the problematic aspects of relationships and trying to change your partner or change yourself for your partner in order to 
continue the relationship or to, you know, to go forward together. Like, obviously, humans can't do this yet. And I certainly hope that we don't ever get to the point where we can. But I, I, could, I can see a relation between at least between her uh, choices here and, you know, certain relationships where there's there there's something that doesn't work and they you know if the if if you don't just absolutely give up and break up you know you can you can find relationships where one person makes changes for the other or where one person wants the other to change in you know ways that suit them even if it doesn't necessarily work for their partner and i i just this is this is sort of like taking that to the extreme it's it's not just like talking to your partner and saying i don't like it when you leave things here or when you you know do this or when you say this or whatnot can you change that can we can we work on that instead it's going right to well i'm just going to reprogram you so that you don't do that again because i don't like it and then we're going to be hunky-dory like yeah, it's yeah. This, this idealized well not idealized this sort of <laughs> i don't know what's, yeah. yeah this deconstruction of that sort of ideal like harmony between two people but it's taking advantage of someone and forcing them to be changed actually uh if you've seen season two of westworld it's a lot like a certain sequence in that season that is also extremely disturbing for the exact same reason the idea of um these things happening in cycles and history repeating itself is in a context of restarting a computer, it doesn't disturb us. But the idea of restarting a person in this way does disturb us because, um, because that that's normal. We are humans that that feel the, uh, empathy this way. But like like near doing it and almost having them equated to each other, like like all of us thought that resetting Pascal was an act of mercy. But this uh, person, well, in, well, I mean, well, I mean, mm, I, I think I, Joe makes a compelling. I think point I think there's that. no right answer with Pascal. There yeah. are problems with every choice, even walking away. Because I mean, I think the ideal answer is to stay with Pascal and help him work through this. But, I don't agree with killing him, and I also think that wiping his memories doesn't help him at all. Like, do we sympathize with a video game character that remembers every previous play, uh, playthrough? Like, maybe. Like, The Wandering Couple, it, it is a different situation because uh, she's manipulating a person. But I, I think that, like, the idea of Nier Automata's multiple playthroughs suggests that, this, that uh, 2B and A2 have seen this happen so many times it is analogous to us playing a video game but every time we play the video game the main character remembers every struggle and every event from previous playthroughs and that's kind of effed up that again it's the commentary is much darker than it's and deeper than it's kind of effed up but that's just that, that, that's just one idea here and the wandering couple I, I think is one of the most compelling side quests in the game if not the most because it takes that idea of resetting but makes it but in a way that, that we're applying it to a hu a very human-like android, and that and that touches us in a different way. I, I'm not. I I was wrong in saying it was the same, or or, or implying that. But it's. I I, th I think that there's 
a connected thread between this idea of resetting that the wandering couple explores in a specific way. And, that guy and needs to find a new girlfriend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Dump her ass. Absolutely. Unfortunately, he cannot make that choice. <laughs> you can't... I don't think you can find them again afterwards, can you? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so you, you can't, can't go and, like, tell him, dude, this girl's been messing with your mind for, like, at least six or seven times. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and it's, it's also um, kind of the, the rearticulation of the ship of Theseus, um... idea that like just bashes you over the head in this game in terms of um beings wondering um if i'm still me due to whatever i've gone through starting from the very uh from i i guess you can call it a side quest the the um the kind of junk the junk trader um in the resistance camp and they're, he's like, yep, I've replaced everything on my body. And they're like, well, what about your leg? He's like, well, I'm not going to replace my leg. That's the last thing I have left. Will I, like, that's, I need to keep that leg in place, even if it's so much more of a detriment to the rest of my body. Um, and I, and we see this in the wandering couple too, because it's, um, that the, the, the the bow is basically the the ship the ship in the ship of Theseus because he's having this done to himself and he's not even being given the choice to wonder am I still myself um, throughout this because it's someone else who is um, making that decision for him and we don't even know um, if she still sees him in the same way or if this is a completely if this is you know the eighth revision or this is the eighth uh partner that she has mm-hmm. yeah, that's a scary after, thought after, yeah after seven resets who are you anymore yeah that's, mm-hmm. i hadn't thought about it that way before <laughs> see this is this, this is this another game, is... game can make you just like pause like that because it's like it's deep thoughts oh yeah yeah, this game makes you think things and feel things that no other game ever has, at least personally. I and, agree. Um, Love it. <laughs> Can we talk about Simone? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, in, um, during the, the B playthrough, after every major, every major event, or at least most major events, including boss fights, you get um, either like a detached set of dialogue or almost like a short play or something that either has you observe something in the past from either characters that are obviously connected to the stuff you just did or or ones that don't seem as connected. But after you beat Simone, they, they give you a mostly text with some stark images uh, story about a, a machine that was obsessed with the idea of beauty and obsessed with using the idea of beauty to attract a, a, another robot, that she, another machine that she was attracted to. But ultimately, ultimately, it not working, and like, what has she become as a result of her obsession with beauty? And uh, it becomes clear that um, that Simone, of course, this robot was the one you just defeated. And if you do the Jean Paul, uh, the you know the, the uh, philosopher machine side quest, it, it's it, it's hinted at that he that he was the uh, object of her affection, and that makes you that makes Simone also into a tragic figure and also a 
I don't even know what to, what to think about this. Like, it, it, like it, it, it takes an idea of self-obsession or or materialism or, or or just obsession with appearance to such a weird extreme with these machine characters that that just makes every that makes all of it just just sadder and scarier. It totally recontextualizes like your first encounter with mm-hmm. her in Route A. Like she's just a boss in Route A. She's a opera singing boss who's annoying in Route A, but you don't know right. anything about her uh, until you get that text dialogue in Route B and then suddenly it's like oh man, like this game is so good at making you come back to a character or a sequence that you you thought you had figured out like you had all these preconceptions based on one side of it and then changing everything even with just something as simple as voiceless dialogue on a black screen like i think i mentioned in the last episode i've never been as affected by just straight text on on a plain black screen as i have by this game and simone is like that's that's one of the first instances of that kind of happening and it's it it's a gut punch. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I I'm on record as saying I think it was the best game of the last decade, and it, it, this is the moment where I, when I'm playing it, I'm like, okay, now now I get it because I, I mean I had heard about I played it pretty recently after its release, but I did and its reputation sort of preceded it. But as soon as I got to this moment, I was like, okay, now I understand because it it, 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 it with a gameplay too because like there's a moment where she's shouting at you like look at me and you can't control the camera um and you can't look at her um and, it, and it's just amazing um the way that it blends gameplay and that silent moment and um i mean sabone de Beauvoir uh be, having a relationship with john paul sartre and her being like a, a major feminist and sort of philosopher of her own accord in real life um and, and just like seeing the different ways that things are coming together and just like you know the devastation that you feel over her story i i mean it's i, I don't I, I hate to be hyperbolic about this game i know i am but man the, this sequence ooh, i love it i'll just I'll, I'll leave it there in and in that moment of when you can't control the camera you're essentially playing the part of jean paul in that because oh. he's he because he won't look at her during that and you're basically fulfilling that and it's um and it's interesting that there's kind of this flipping on its head of the of the Sartre and de Beauvoir um, relationship because I, I'm not an expert in either of them. I have not read them much, but apparently, like he was, he was very jealous of her and very jealous of the 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 lovers and partners that she had uh, besides him. And so it's kind of this flipping of the of the history where in this game it's her kind of reaching out in vain. And in, um, in our history, it was basically the opposite. I mean, she's a heavy feminist, but I mean, she has this like lifelong obsession with this man who treats her really poorly. Um, And so I think that it ultimately ends up being sort of critical of her a little bit. So, I I mean, I, I, I think that it's critical of her, the way that she presented sort of being different from the way that she lived in real life. And I think that's, that's how it's reflected in that fight to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of the, like some of the other philosophers in the game, I don't really get a gauge on like what they're doing, even though 
like um, the Hegel robot um, in the desert, the many-legged you know centipede thing that its smaller components become uh, uh, Lao Tzu and uh, uh, Shao Tzu or something like that. Um, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the Hegel machine. And what that's what that even is supposed to mean, even though like I've read quite a bit of Hegel and <laughs> and like I get his concepts, I have no idea what the what that's supposed to be. Okay, now I do want to I do, do want to correct you. Um, the the Chinese philosopher you're referring to is Lao Tzu, who is sometimes called Lao Tzu. Chao Tzu is a character from Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and very and very and very different. Yeah, uh, okay. from okay. very different from Lao Tzu. But the uh... well, yeah, I knew I couldn't remember because there's because there's the second one because there's Lao Tzu and then there's a second uh, Roshi, is it Roshi Koshi? That's that's also a Dragon Ball character, in fact. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm being I'm being unfair, but uh, but, I know. but, but there, <laughs> there's there's so much philosoph- uh, philosophy commentary just by the names of the robots. Um, I, I forget the name. Uh, shoot, I, I I thought that the Leviathan robot that you fight and out on the by the flooded city was going to be called Hobbes, just because of Hobbes' work, the Leviathan. But I was about, that was <laughs> that was a little too on the nose for Taro. I think he uh, he ended up naming it something else. And the skit you see after uh, that boss fight is basically a robot child that was exiled because it was too destructive, and uh, whenever it tried to act. It just it just hurt everything around him, and it was, and and which basically contextualizes that whole fight, which is one of the more intense in the game, as like a cry for help, or a child throwing a tantrum rather than a robot with more of an an objective, or uh or or even any real malice in it, which was tragic in its own way, but but I, I'm not sure about the philosophical connection to that robot, mostly because I don't I don't remember what its name is. But I, I, let's talk a little bit more about the video game part of the video game, just so I can get my mind out of this dark place it's crawled into. Um, <laughs> Start, just keep staring into the abyss. Yeah, the, the, it gets fun after a while. The, the big, the the big change between using two B or A two versus nine S is the abundance of hacking. Nine um, yeah. S's hacking ability, which replaces his, uh, which replaces using a second weapon, basically takes you to a. I don't know, like a top-down shooter slash mini adventure game, like oh, I don't, I don't know, like like a like an old tank attack game or, or something. Uh, it's like but, a dual stick shooter, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. like 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 asteroids, sort of with with yeah, without yeah. without the rotation nonsense. Um, but that that part of gameplay feels like almost an innocuous mini game. Like oh, this is how I hack things when you <laughs> when you're playing it in a in for most of Nine S's route, but. By the end of the game, like you, you use that hacking minigame whenever you enter someone's mind for any context. Usually, the context is hacking, but like they use the framework of that hacking minigame when you uh, when you see someone hacking into uh, into 9S and and destroy the memories of 2B, which is something that Yorha's trying to do because of uh, because of the, their continued cover up and the and their recycling of the 9S units. And uh, it's also used when, um, for the part of the A-B routes where 9S is not involved, uh, after the Coastal City battles, 
uh, where Ninus is picked up by Adam and then put on that crucifix. Uh, they use that that mini game or Ninus navigating his own mind in the form of that mini game uh, for the conversation he has with Adam. It, it like starts out in that and then it ends up going into a text chain where Adam even mentions specifically, "You want to fuck to be, don't you?" Which was not. Uh, I'm not sure that's actually what he says. What do, what, what, do you, what do you think he says? It was it was it's, F star it star be any star. Four letter word. I think it's kill. kill. Yep. I thought I'm, it was. I'm with you I, on that, Zach. I thought it was fuck. I really did. I mean, I think that uh, Taro is playing on that, but I mean, this gets into back to story beats. But I yeah. think that it's hinted at that 9s is, and A2 says this at the end of the game, that 9s is aware of what um, 2B has done to him, or 2E, I guess. Um, 2E is, or 2B has done to him throughout the course of the game. And I don't want to get too far into like fan service why 2B is dressed the way that she is, but I think that we we should um, talk about play... that a little bit because that was conspicuously absent from our discussion at the last yeah. At the last I episode. mean, it, it, I think that 9S certainly sexualizes her, which I, I mean, I, which is why I think that he plays on that you know bleeping out the word thing. But I think that ultimately uh, playing on like men's desire to like destroy what they want because they can't have it because 9S clearly wants her. Um, is played on there. So I think the either word works, but I think that ultimately kill is really what I think the word is, but either one, I think gets to the same idea for who 9S is. I mean, we haven't talked about the fact that I think 9S is really the villain of this game yet, but <laughs> we'll oh, get yeah. there. And, and it also plays on the, the ending of the A route because like when, um, when, uh, to be strangles 9s it's in a she's very straddling. yeah she's yeah, yeah she's she's straddling. She's, she's straddling him there's there's more than mm-hmm. one way to strangle someone but that's a very that, that i thought was just a just used the sword it was broken <laughs> but she managed to kill eve with it so just use your fucking sword lady <laughs> nope they had to make it as sensual a strangulation almost as possible which is and they're both grunting and it's like mm-hmm. <sighs> yep yeah yeah there's um more than a little bit of male gaze in the a lot of the imagery of this game. It just, I mean, starting with uh, how the uh, the female presenting androids are dressed. Um, yeah, because because 2B has you know she has very feminine curves and uh, and and suggestive clothes. And I don't think there's any. I don't think that's in doubt. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't think that's up for debate. Uh, yeah. And uh, and um, A2, who is. Um, I mean, I mean, she wears a version of uh, the same outfit as as two B, except it is um it is uh, stripped and torn from uh probably just probably from uh fr- from decades of not having a change of clothes or sorry centuries <laughs> of not having a change of clothes, and and again it's um it's it's sexually suggestive and definitely you know an intentional design on tar on Yoko Taro's part, but uh and uh, and nine S's design is basically just shorts and a shirt that really communicates youth to me more than anything else. Like, like, like he, mm-hmm. it communicates that he is a young boy more so than, yeah. more so than what I think the clothing of, of two B or the female androids, uh, show. And again, it's intentional. And I, I don't want to say problematic exact, like straight away, but I'm not sure I'll it's a, I, I, I'm not sure it's a choice he needed to make. Like like I, yeah. I, I, I like like I, extremely male gaze. I don't think it's necessary. <sighs> I, I, I mean, I think you can justify it via trying to like filter it through nine s's uh, perspective. And I, I've read some essays that try to justify it. But at the end that, of the day, I think Taro's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah, none of those are like hot girls. 
but he also wants to like criticize the fact that we want hot girls. But if I had one criticism of this game and I don't have many, um, it would be that. Um, I I still think that ultimately it is very male gazy. I agree with you. Those, uh, those essays you alluded to are no essay that I want to read. I'm a heterosexual male who is who is attracted to the female form, and I I think that that two B and and A two are designed in a sexy manner, and I I worry that this cheapens the game to me. Um, like if, yeah, if, if I, they if they'd have made a different choice, I think they could have had the same game, but this is what they went for, and I'm not always okay with it. I, I feel like like two B. Tubi's design is so close to being nice and classy, and it's just like, why do you need to have the crotch visible? Why do we need to see her underwear? Why do you have to blow off her skirt at the end of the uh, of the roots A and B when she's fighting? Like, there is so much upskirt in this game that it is troubling. There's yeah. actually a, there's actually an achievement for it. There's or a trophy for it. <laughs> yeah. Good. That. And then, you know, I get that A2 is wearing tattered, like, barely any clothes because she's been on the run for, you know, however many centuries. But it's like, I got tired of looking at her, the the short, short, you know, bum pants that she's got on. And I really kind of dislike the fact that she actually has a decent DLC outfit, but you can't really, you have to be high level to be able to get it so you basically get it at the end of the game and i'm like damn it i could have used that earlier because it actually looks really good on her yeah. and it's it's surprise surprise it's pants and a full that's what i used in this playthrough and it made it much more pleasant <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel like um taro and the development team totally could have um, explored these psychosexual ideas without making their characters like male gay sex objects yeah, in that way. Yeah, I agree. You can you can have your cake and eat it too and not have the characters designed to, you know, in a way that hypersexualizes them. Yeah, it was very intentional that they have them done this way and I think they could have made every single point that they made that they made with uh with more um with more flattering clothes. I I I think that is uh, or I should say, mm, flattering is the wrong adjective. More, uh, just, just l- less provocative clothes, and I, yeah. and I think that would have been an improvement, al- almost top to bottom. Uh, you can call us, you can call us prudes. I, I get it, but like, why defend this? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's really unnecessary. But again. I mean, I find these characters attractive, so maybe I'm the maybe I'm the problem, uh, more of the problem than the solution. Uh, but did you play the game because you found B- to be attractive? Because I certainly didn't, so I don't think that we're the problem. No, I, no, I, I played this game because it was very because uh, uh, it was very acclaimed, and it won. Right. And and, uh, and and everyone, a lot of people within RPG fans said we should play it. <laughs> Is the, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's Sorry, a very literal I, reason. I think that, yeah. Right. It's probably also partly like them wanting to sell you know figures and everything like that of it because i'm sure plenty of people have 2b and a2 figures mm-hmm. i mean like i want to own a 2b figure but it's just because i admire her as a character <laughs> sure. mean, yeah so uh we have talked about the cd endings a little bit uh but we've been all over the place in this discussion it uh but but after the uh events of the um of, of yorha getting wiped out based by a logic virus it, it appears um, so, uh, every single uh, Yorha unit, with the exception of 9S, 
gets corrupted by a virus. Tubi fights off a lot of her uh, comrades. They escape the bunker before the the commander can f- can completely be consumed by the virus. There's a, a slightly difficult portion of the game where you have to sort of Tubi uh, has to stumble to safety, but her uh, yeah. yeah, but but her her like her 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 visual UI and motor functions are sort of coming and going while you do it and there are sections of hostile uh hostile machines you have to navigate through um i i had to play that se- segment multiple times because i i kept you know getting hit by a robot I, and, get, and get kicked into the into the ravine I, I messaged you about this sequence and this is the one i was talking about yeah this is the one that was hard yeah this, this is I, also annoying if you're trying to get all the endings because you have to do it several times and every time you have to start from the flooded city and go back yeah not the most fun part of the game but but i think a powerful moment with her you like oh, basically yeah. her her virus there's a almost a, like a progress bar of how much the virus has consumed her and it ends with her uh going to the commercial zone that's sort of sort of in between the the, the city and the forest and uh a2 meeting her and uh and mercy killing her which we did mention earlier and 9s witnessing the mercy killing w- without the added context of uh 2b being consumed by the virus um and that kicks off, you know, uh, the segments where you control uh, A2 and 9S alternately. And also right after the virus stuff stri- strikes, a giant tower just sprouts out of the ground. And I say giant tower, but it's supported by three big pillars. And there's also these uh, resource units that are like miniature towers that spring out in three different parts of the map. It's it, it, like something going on with the machines or Yorha or both is entering its final phase. And this tower um, coming up out of nowhere is uh you know an indicator of that and the game briefly becomes a zelda game where uh 9s has to assemble three keys to enter this dungeon and uh his portions of the cd route are uh going through these resource units which are like miniature towers to collect the keys at the end of each of them and uh there's a lot of story stuff that happens in these like uh, the the segment where you see uh in his hacking mini game uh like like you see his memories are his memories of 2B being attacked and and he's getting increase increasingly like just just violent and angry uh because he's he's doing this to try and end whatever's going on but also also take revenge on A2 and as many machines as possible yeah. for the death of 2B I I mean I th- I actually think that really what he's doing is just trying to find a way to destroy everything and everyone I mean, when you say that you see the 2B units being attacked, it's actually him attacking the unit at the end there. I mean, I think that, like, you just see, like, a big pile of rage from him at, like, losing the one thing that meant something to him um, at 2B. So, I I don't know. I think this is really where they establish 9S as being sort of the counterpoint to 2B in terms of dealing with the meaninglessness of things um, by going through these towers and, and such. And I think with that, we should also point out that um, Nanus's voice actor is really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I just want to like yeah, he, to- toss that out there. The like, man can really... scream. Whoever it is, I don't know the name, but he can scream. Excellent. Yeah, he, ha- he has to explore a range of yeah. of emotions. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a whole lot of melodrama in a fantastic way. Seeing seeing Nine S like this is um, it's very painful. It's really painful to see him in this state, especially when you contrast it with 
how I was earlier in the game, you know, this kind of goofball, like, okay. hey, my friends, my friends call me nines. Can you call me nines? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it, it really is heartbreaking. Yeah, this, yeah, this robot boy who was sort of innocent and inquisitive in a way, just becoming this, uh, this petulant teenage rage monster is a, uh, is, is a, a, a real surprising, t- um, change and there's almost a, a an opposite change that happens to a2 at the same time because yeah. she, she mm-hmm. seems to be completely motivated by revenge and killing all machines if possible at the beginning of when you control her and then you, you get context for that revenge when you uh, look at the story during the uh when you hear it from anemone uh but then a2's interactions with pascal if anything really really calm her down like if anything she's like a more intense angry version of 2b at the beginning of the of the c route and ends up being maybe like the, the most sympathetic or empathetic of of the trio mm-hmm. um at, at, at the end of c route which is which is also surprising and, and I'm, I'm not sure if i believe it as much because like it could could really her centuries of hate be would be wiped out by a couple days of build of building slides for machine children yeah. um i mean i'm not i'm not really sure if i have an answer for it but i think it's it, well, going on joe's point i think that it makes 9s's uh sort of descent into just rage and the rage at the pointlessness at, at everything um, more heartbreaking because he's the one who does empathize. He's the one who in the B route makes us as the audience and us as the player empathize with people like, or with people, <laughs> with uh, machines like Simone. Um, and the fact that he has that knowledge and he's still willing to just want to destroy everything and everyone, I think makes him all the more heartbreaking. Yeah, the, the more he learns, the more he realizes the worthlessness of it all. Right in a, in a, uh, a bit of a twist on the on the old Socrates quote, and, and and but when you do assemble the keys and go up the tower, you learn a lot of important lore and context for all of this, including the uh, uh, including the roles of um, Devola and Papala, the, the the redhead twins at the at the camp, um, that goes back to a, another connection to the to near one, where not the exact same two twins that we're dealing with in this game, but two others. Uh, were either traitors or major villains or manipulators or all three of those things in in the first near. I mean, they're they're at fault for humanity dying, and you the, see oh, that yes. the, the two twins they're referring or the twins they're referring to are the twins that you actually see in the original near. Yeah, g- they're g- the ones who caused the end of humanity. In in the flashback sequences for the twins in near Automata, they mentioned two of uh, two of the twin units from another village did this and this and this. And I, and I, and I was pretty sure that was referring to the first near. It is. And, yeah. uh, and, and so, yeah, they're, they're uh, responsible for the epidemic that wiped out humanity. And, um, and but, but also made it, cl- uh, the, the current, the, the near automata twins made it clear that they were observe uh, observation units. who were just trying to be like a control group and, uh, and, and watch everything happen around them. Which and you know going back to the cyclical nature of this game just makes me wonder how many centuries or millennia of the of the cycles repeating have Devola and Papala watched? I mean, eight thousand at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh and and uh, at the very end when um or or before the, at, at the very beginning of the tower sequence when Nine S is trying to hack into the tower, uh, Devola and Papala um cover for him and uh, and end up sacrificing their lives so that he can get in there. And uh, and and up the tower, it's uh, some conventional fighting. 
uh, a couple pretty flashy boss battles, but it, it it ends. I mean, with the maybe I think the most memorable confrontation in the whole game, where uh, A two and Nine S f- face each other, with Nine uh, S wanting to to end it all if possible, and A two wanting to stop the tower because she believes that it's going to fire a missile directly at the moon and clear the last remains of humanity. The the uh, the DNA information allegedly stored there, and and you know I'm not even sure if like like is there anything in the moon? Are the, uh, is it just an answering machine with glory to mankind messages, or is there really <laughs> is is there really some replicant data there? Because I, I know that there's no humans there, but I, I uh, thought it was it was mentioned that there was some inf- like some data on the human genome they, being stored. They, there. they say that there's a human genome data on like servers on the moon, like right. that's like the last remnant, but. The machines already have most of that data. This is not a podcast about the, the last. This is not a podcast about the last remnant. Uh, if you want a podcast <laughs> on the last remnant, please email retro at rpgfan.com. <laughs> Make us play it. <laughs> I think this is kind of a, an, like an articulation of faith in some way because like mm-hmm. A two is now like uh, like if there if there is a sliver of a possibility of a future of any sort. I want to protect it. And how and... how crazy is it that she, who has seen maybe the most darkness of all of these people, since she has a memory that goes back six thousand plus years, and and uh, was mod- and was um, motivated by revenge for so many years? How crazy is it that she still sticks to her original mission of of uh, glory to mankind and protecting the last vestiges of humanity? Well, I I think you can explain that a little bit because she has 2B's memories with that's her. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Her, that's right. The um the, the pod uploaded some 2B uh, some of 2B's memories into her or 2B's complete memories into her. That's from her sword, right? The sword. She has yeah. the sword, yeah. Oh, that's what it is. And then, and, uh, and it's from her that we learn about 2B actually being a 2E unit. Yeah, and I think, I think especially in that ending sequence before you get to choose who you want to to, to play as, and that determines whether you get endings, uh, uh, whether you get ending C or D, uh, based on who you choose. Um, her her talking to Nine S, and she talks to him briefly when they they meet in one of the uh, resource. Uh, or sorry, the uh, resource recovery units as well. She's telling him about things that Tubi wanted or thought. She's assimilated a fair amount of Tubi's memories. And even I think some of her, maybe not her personality, but just sort of like her, her feelings about life in general. Because I feel like once, once you see A2 actually interacting with Tubi's memories, she kind of changes a little bit and it's right after that first instance where she has to go and and talk with Pascal and, and instead of like outright just killing everyone there, she, she helps them and she does all that stuff, you know, helping them escape when the village is attacked. So like, there's an interesting kind of, it's not like to be takes over, but it's sort of like they kind of become one almost. Yeah, and and if anything, um, that just makes Nine S angrier. Mm-hmm. When he realizes yeah. that, when he understands that there's parts of Two B or Two B's memories inside Nine S, which he views as her cold-blooded killer, it, it, it basically it does not help Nine S's demeanor to have uh, A Two and Two B sort of blend into the same entity. Mm-hmm. I, I think both the C and D ending end with the tower crumbling, but uh, with A 2s a- a- A2's conclusion 
feeling that she's saved the uh, the uh, the human data on the mu- on the moon, and uh, 9S getting the curious ending that this tower isn't trying to destroy the moon. It's trying to take all of the information and data that's accumulated through this whole conflict and send it at, and, and shoot it into space like a space capsule or an arc to hopefully land on a new planet and uh, and begin the experiment anew or or, or at least find a, find a new home for it. And he, and he speaks with the data of Adam and Eve in, in, this seg- in a text seg- uh, in, in, in a um, text accompanied by music like, mm-hmm. so, like several of the uh, of the um, several pieces of the story in the second half of the game were presented, which, which, which I thought was a was more optimistic than I was expecting out of, uh, out of the, the conclusion to Nines's tale. The actual ending though was really like, yeah, like yeah. That. Oh my! The act. No, no. Both <laughs> of those. Both of those are endings, but that's not the actual. Ending. That's not the ending. The actual <laughs> ending is uh, is perpetrated by the two real main characters of this story, um, po- Pod zero one zero four two and Pod one five three. The um, the, the the floating sort of computer assistants of two B and nine S that have been with you the whole time, and this is going to sound insane. Um, it, it maybe the craziest thing that we have said that anyone has said on this crazy podcast. Uh, early in the nine S route, there is a conversation between the two pods that is pretty innocuous. It's it's something like, "I have collected data from two B. Yes, I have collected data from nine S." I propose that we routinely share data so we can uh, so, so we can compare compare notes on our two Android charges. Agreed. Let's let us share data more frequently. I thought they were flirting. <laughs> and I yeah. true and I truly thought their story I think they kind of were. I don't think I, like, again, I'm not I'm not 100 I don't think I'm wrong exactly, but I but I thought that was going when, to I thought that was the you start flirt of a with DC Douglas if you had the chance I'm just well, saying. Well, of course, yes, but um but uh, the, the the point I was trying to well not a point but what i'm saying is i thought that was the first uh vignette of a budding romance between their pods which i thought was hilarious and adorable but it it, it sort of continues to be adorable but maybe considerably less hilarious when uh um you sort of see the two pods share data uh over the course of the second part of the game starting with the b route and uh and most of it is is sensible or innocuous conversation between them but by the end it's them commenta- commenting on the nature of Yorha and the experiment and what to do at the end and at the time where everyone's memory is going to be wiped and they're going to start the cycle anew uh, they like, like uh, Pod 042 the, the white one that accompanies 2B decides maybe he doesn't want to and then there's a conversation between, between 042 and 153 about like should we should we resist the reset this time, and uh, it ends up with them agreeing to try and and stop the a new cycle from co- continuing, and they manifest that by having you do battle with the game's credits, and um and amazing uh, and which is oh. basically signifying the credits as the cycle starting anew like 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 one thread ending and then a new one beginning but also do, presenting it so literally in a segment that got so intense that um 
my hand started to cramp at the end. <laughs> uh, you messaged me, and I thought you, you just haven't given up yet. You need to just no, quit earlier. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really, I really hadn't given up at all. And I was, and I was, uh, and I was fighting the special effects studios and like the German localization team. But but before you I got before, far then, yeah, yeah, I got pretty far. I, hey man, I'm telling you, I've I've, I've played a lot of Ikaruga. I, I I even got I even had a. I even had Death Smile for the uh, for the Xbox 360. If you want to uh, play a intense shooter game about witches and uh, firing spells out of their black cats, um, <laughs> seriously, Death Smiles is all right. But but anyway, um, uh, but back to, back to this. I, I, I uh, the the shooting segment gets really really intense, and it uh, eventually the the comments of instead of like instead of game over, uh, new game, yes no, the the questions get like. Isn't all of this pointless? Are are you are, are you going to admit you're just playing a silly video game and none of this silly matters? Little g- games are silly, silly things. Oh, yeah, and, and that's it just my get, favorite. Yeah, it just gets <laughs> it gets more and more cutting, and uh, eventually it gets to a point where um you you can admit that you need help, and then dozens, if not hundreds, of other players can sort of join you and uh, and sort of encircle your ship like 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 their um, option upgrades in a Gradius game or something. But basically, your ship becomes a little, uh, I don't know, a, a little... Uh, a little chain- flotilla, almost. Yeah, a little, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, a little flotilla of several ships, and um, which basically, I don't know, quintuples your offense, at least. And, uh, and whenever you get hit, instead of dying in three hits like normal, um, it just mentions that the data of one of the users that joined you was lost in a way that is... Um, oddly affecting and uh so, sort of the, the two pods deciding that uh that, that you can survive with the help of others and it, it takes you to a scene of the pods reassembling or recollecting the corpses of 9s and 2b and and uh and also you you see a uh you see a2 in the background suggesting that they were maybe not starting the cycle anew exactly but at least trying to 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 reassemble their old charges. I don't. 100... I mean, two, I mean, nine S is still missing his arm as he would have been earlier. Mm-hmm. So the idea that maybe they're retaining their memories in an effort to not do what Pascal did. Yeah, it's I don't a hundred percent know uh, what their intentions are, but but they it really felt like the pods like sympathizing and wanting to help to uh, the, the three androids and reassembling them so they can live on was at least the idea i they were communicating and then yeah it go- i think that comes across yeah and, yeah and then it goes into something even crazier one <laughs> one five three says uh do, do you do you want to help the next person that that uh that that tries to survive the same way you were helped by others it's, it's a little bit more um it's a little bit uh, more eloquent than that and and but in order to do that, you have to delete. Did you do it? You, you have to delete all your save data, and that first that made me realize, oh man, those seven or eight people that all joined me because I did get hit a couple times in the last uh, sequence, and I saw people's data be lost. Those people are all players that sacrificed themselves and deleted their entire save data to help me, and so. Th- Joe mentioned that uh, the Pascal decision had him walking around his apartment for 15 minutes. This is where I put the controller down and made myself a sandwich to think on this. <laughs> I, I said, I said, no, I'm, I'm selfish. I didn't, I, I, there were some sequences that were hell for me in this game. And if I ever want to come back, I want that chapter skip. <laughs> I don't want to do this again. So 
y'all have the rest of the PlayStation Nation to help you with this game. You don't have me. Sorry. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought about this. And um, I replay games sometimes. I, I'm not the kind of person that will play his favorite games over and over and over. Of and, then I th- and then I thought to myself, like, how likely was I to revisit this? How likely did I want, was I wanting to trophy hunt on this game? And um, would I value that more than the idea of just making this one single beautiful playthrough and then having it sort of end in a beautiful fire instead of just shelving it for an indeterminate time layer uh, later. Um, I, I deleted my save data. Oh, wow. I, I, you know what? I, I, I am proud of you, Mike. I, I thought, I, I thought <laughs> about this. I said, I, I even, I had my little, my, I named myself retro for this playthrough. And, and uh, the idea of me, containing this entire playthrough for this podcast and then some poor sap out in uh, let's let's say nevada s- seeing someone named retro join their little shoot shmup flotilla to help them get get through the end credits battle that that is a that is a little bit I think that is something beautiful, and I'll help that poor sap in Nevada. I, I, I don't know if I'll ever replay this game again. Maybe I will, and maybe I'll deliberately make different choices or deliberately finally do the wandering couple side, side quest <laughs> um, instead of using the chapter select to, to do it, which I may, which in retrospect, maybe I should have done that before deleting all of my data. It, it's It's gone. I don't know if I'll play this game ever again, but I have this specific memory of this playthrough with and talking with you guys that will survive in... A, a couple trophies on my PSN pl- profile and these two podcasts. Uh, th- yeah. I, this is the third time I've played this game, and this is the first time that I allowed it to do it. Um, and my save file was <laughs> was at the uh, cap, so I had 99 hours on it. Um, and oh, as man. we were playing through this time, I was at level 99, and I was just breezing through. I was able to play through really quickly. Um, and I had unlocked all the trophies at this point. But you know, I, I felt guilty, and it's funny because Joe and uh, Leona as well had made me feel guilty for not having deleted <laughs> my data previously. Um, and you know, I, I think that it, kind of taking a step back for a moment, uh, the credit sequence, I think, um, even when I know it's coming, I, I start crying. <laughs> um, and then there, it during it, during I, it, they uh, during the regular credits, they play "The Weight of the World," which is a yeah, um, a, a beautiful, beautiful song. And I think yeah. they switch between multiple. Um, multiple they, languages for it. Yeah, they, they do in this time. one. They also use like a, an eight bit version at the beginning of yes, uh, at the beginning the, of the very of, end of the shootering part. Credits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that you know this whole game has spent all this time like sort of deconstructing philosophers and saying like they don't get to tell you that the search for meaning is problematic. I actually think that really what this game is saying is stop trying so hard um, and just you know like appreciate and enjoy and help each other. And who cares what what means something and Pascal at some point, like you give him a Nietzsche book and he reads it and he says, this is either very amazing or it's total nonsense. And I think Taro (laughs) thinks it's all nonsense. Um, And I think that destroying the creators is part of that. And so I think that when you're answering those questions, it becomes like this idea that there is, there is meaning in there. You get to make the choice about who to help and how to help people. And so every time I said no, and I was being selfish, um, every time I said no, I felt really guilty about it. Um, and, but I was honestly, I, I'm still being selfish. Like I have all the trophies. I've played this game three times in less than three years. It, it was time um, for me to um, 
engage in the philosophy of the game, which I think is that you need to help other people, ultimately. Who cares about all the rest of the questions and all the need and all the rest of the stuff? Help each other. Be kind to each other. Be decent to each other. Invest in each other. And who cares about the rest? And I think that's what the game is about. And I think that's what that save delete is about. And and Joe, yeah. you Joe, you also deleted your data. Yeah, as as alluded to by by my my guilt trip and of of Zach. <laughs> but I um yeah immediately as soon as the as soon as the question came up, um, I immediately said yes to it. Um, and that's and you, not because... you, you have to say yes multiple times because um uh, pod zero four two, it says are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? There's no going back. And 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 then after you say your final yes. It, it it eliminates elements of the of the menu screen one by one, like 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 your your map options and all yeah. of your equipment. You just see it delete. slowly goes through you, and erases you, you everything. You see it deleted brick by brick. Oh. And they did they did also do something similar to this in the first near, although mm-hmm. to a less impactful, um, although with less impact. I think um, it was kind of the the early idea for it. But when I when I made that decision. Um, I'm probably going to replay this game because um, I did not do everything in the game and I would really like to engage with it more. Um, but when I made the decision to end it it um, and to forfeit all my data, um, it reminded me of... Uh, it reminded me of uh, a rally that uh, Bernie had uh, a bit ago, not to get too <laughs> political on this, but... Uh, but when he asked, you know, are you willing to fight for someone you don't even know? Mm. And that's perfect. Um, it's literally yeah. what the game says. It's yeah, exactly what it's exactly <laughs> yeah. that. And so immediately when the the question was posited, I, um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely here and for that. And I also probably felt quite guilty because I erased so much data. I am not good at twin stick. I'm not good at twin stick shooters. I'm not good at, you know, Ikaruga or shmups. I I think this moments like this, I think it's an incredible breathtaking ending. And I think this is why we play video games, right? (laughs) It's for, it's for moments, moments like this. And it's not all of why we play video games, but it's for moments like this that you can't have this happen in anywhere else but interactive art. Mm-hmm. You can't have that same um, emotional stake. You can't. It's so much different than anything else, and it's it is my favorite ending to a game that I've played oh, because it stuff. just yeah. it just trans it truly transcends its medium and um, as was alluded talked about in the first podcast um it's yoko taro asking games to shoot higher with their ambitions and i think it is just a beautiful end he, he taro takes the ideas of multiple playthroughs and the idea of player investment into a character or a or a world and um and and twists them so powerfully that this is one of the most memorable video game endings I've ever encountered, and I, uh, we, we, I'm, I'm afraid we went on the under for how many times I was going to cry during the, this playthrough. I think I only, I think I only shed tears once, but how but many, jo- how many jaws on the how floor many, though? how many dropped jaws were going into the double digits? 
because yes. there there are some there are some gasps in this in this game, like just to, some really startling, powerful moments in the story, which we've uh, talked about several of them. And I'm going to make you, you compare this to a Bernie Sanders rally. I'm going to make a comparison that maybe some others made, um, but I'm going to spoil parts of the endings to two video games. So. Uh, Listeners, if you do not want to know anything about the endings to Bravely Default or Bravely Second, you um, sh- shut off the <laughs> shut off the podcast for about ninety seconds. Um, now, without getting into all of it, uh, Bravely Default is a game about multiple playthroughs where uh, you, you're like trapped in a Groundhog Day cycle. Like why? And and the characters trapped in the cycle are like, what's going on? Why are we doing these events over and over? And at the end of the game, it's sort of like you're fighting a big dramatic final boss, and the game goes into your friends list and people that you've street passed with, and the, the the heroes from their playthroughs all sort of join you from multiple dimensions to attack the final boss together, which is a, a powerful social moment that is that reminded me of the uh, of the different ships sort of all joining together to fight the credits. And then Bravely Second does something where you're fighting a, a, a sort of a force that goes beyond time and space, and they make you hover uh, go to your save data menu and hover over the delete button before your characters fight back and say no don't delete us and they they sort of drag you ba- they sort of drag you ba- back to the final battle and and you f- and you fight the fight him that way so like um those two games which I'm basically a fanboy of I I really like both of the bravely games for multiple reasons basically had these cool subversive ideas about RPGs and multiple playthroughs, and because c- both games make you do sort of a new game plus style repeat, um, but it's less obnoxious in Bravely Second. And and they have these neat subversive ideas about save data and multiple playthroughs and your friends list that are uh, played with in I think a very interesting, fun way. And I like both of those concepts a lot. But Yoko Taro takes those ideas so much further and with so much more impact that. Uh, I, I don't think he's borrowing or stealing these ideas at all. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm zero. I have no idea whether he was aware of those two games' endings or not. But when video games take the language of video games and subvert them in a way that could not be done in any other me- medium and just make me lose sleep at night, I, I love it every time. Because like, stories that can only be told in a video game are are is is such a great trick or powerful effect or whatever combination of adjective and noun you want. It is awesome when it's done as well as uh, Bravely Default or Ridley Second and Nier Automata does it better than either of those two. And uh, they convinced me to delete save data on my own accord, which is not if you had told me that a year ago that an RPG would have convinced me to delete itself for a story reason or a a a, a an emotional reason I, I would not have believed you this is near automata is an incredible journey start to finish i mean from start to finish and it gets better and better with each with each new thing you unlock and then it ends in a in a spectac in a spectacular manner that you have to play to really understand and I, I hope you've played this game if you're listening to this podcast, because uh, because otherwise you, um, we've we, we, you're we, very we, lost yeah, at this point. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you're you're very confused and have seen a peek <laughs> behind the curtain that you probably would have preferred not to. Um, but I mean, holy shit, guys! Like uh, this happened to me some hours ago, and I'm going to be thinking about it for the rest of 2020 minimum. 
You know, now, if it makes you feel any better, and this is very Taro as well, there is an NPC if you play, and you can get them in the, I think, starting in the B route um, at the Resistance Camp, where you can go and literally buy trophies. Oh, right. I, um, I did I did see that, but I, I didn't um, I didn't buy any because, because, so, of, you know, because of some shred of pride. Is, yeah, if completion <laughs> is your concern, then you can still do that. But I love that Taro includes that, like the meaninglessness of yeah. trophies. It's incredible. He yeah, he cares so little about them that he just threw that in there, which is <laughs> which is hilarious and very Yoko Taro. See? Yeah, it's totally it's totally on brand for this game too. So it makes sense. So, uh, uh, Caitlin, I, I apologize if I've been talking over you a little bit. Uh, what were your thoughts on on the ending? Um, and and do you think there will ever be a time where you delete your da- data on on the on near automata? No, there won't be. I'd only be deleting my data to get, to get the trophy. If I did that, I would I don't think there is a trophy. All... There's no trophy associated with that. No, it didn't it didn't give me one. If if it did if it did and I didn't get it by mistake, I'd be upset, but I don't think There's there is one. There's a trophy one. that thanks you for playing the game and I think you That's have a... to do no, have to... that that's just the e route. I, I I got that trophy before the decision to delete. Okay, well, I, then, then I, yeah, that's the only reason why I would even think about doing that. And I don't collect trophies. I don't platinum games. So I, sorry. You don't I'm, platinum games, I'm, I'm, but I'm ironically, a... you play games made by platinum games. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm a heartless bitch. I am looking at this from a practical standpoint. I don't <laughs> want to have to redo all this stuff if I want to come back to this game. If I want to start a new game, then I'll do that. But I don't want to lose my data just... Because I don't know, I I understand the emotional experience, but realistically, I know there's plenty of other people who have done this. So any other future player has plenty of people to help them get through that sequence. They don't need my data to do that. Um, and I I don't know. I feel like I I, I see where you're all coming from, but the ver- the fact that he did this before in near makes me wonder if it's also just because it's a thing that he does in his games. You know, like if, if this if this was if this was the only time this had happened, then okay. But if there's literally ever... I mean I think it, it is a thing that he does, but I mean in Nier he does it to different effect. I mean it's about erasing I don't want to spell spoil Nier on this. I guess I'll stop there, but uh in the original Nier it is definitely done for a different reason. But yes, he's a troll. I mean I think that's definitely part of it. I agree with you. Yeah, it's the in the original near. I'll just say that it is nowhere near as not nowhere near. Uh, it's it's we're full it's of even close to, to being as uh, impactful or anything. It definitely feels like the hey, here's a thought, and then and then Automata is the actual okay. This is this thought fully formed. Also, to put things into context, this is a game that you could do most of everything in the 30 to 35 hour range. And when, when I was contemplating whether to delete the game data or not, I, I, it did occur to me, you know, maybe I will want to play this game again eventually, but I'm okay with deleting the data in case I, in, you know, in case I never play this game again, or, you know, 30 to 35 hours is not the, mo- the greatest time demand I've ever seen in an, R- in an RPG. But on the other hand, if Yoko Taro threatens to delete my to delete my Final Fantasy XIV character data in his in his uh, in the por- <laughs> in the portions of the game that he's writing, 
Absolutely not. I will. Oh, I will I, pull I would the. Be, I would be livid. I'm sorry. I will. I will. <laughs> I would pull the plug on my computer before that. Before that choice could be registered. I'm um, not even to the heavens word content yet, and I'd still be upset. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I again, they're uh, they're making sure to keep the keys of the server room out of uh, Yokotaro's hands. So I, I think that uh, <laughs> yes. I, I doubt I doubt we'll quite get there in the in the Yorha Dark Apocalypse raids in Final Fantasy fourteen. But if I've I've, I've talked far too much about FF14 on the past, say, two months of podcasts. Uh, coincidentally, I've been back into the game for the past seven weeks. Anybody here play the DLC? Yes, I had the uh, game of the Yorha edition, so I okay. was able to play that. Um, it's nothing. It's just it's just arena battles and, and costumes. Did you play? Is, there's a sequence that opens up after you clear the three DLCs. Did you play that? Um. Th- there's like where you're, st- you're, there's you're the, a robot there's the special that doesn't want boss to fight. fight. You mean? It's a, it's after that as well. So um, you are a, it, basically like there's a that a special place boss you... fight that's really fucking hard. By the way, yeah, no, uh, no, it's it's after that where uh, after you clear the <laughs> clear that, and I guess we're spoiling the hell out of this game, so we can just say it. There's a special boss fight in the DLC where you get to fight against Yoko Taro and Saito, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Is that yeah. right? Yeah, um, it's incredibly difficult, but really fun. Uh, but after you beat that, you can um, go to the amusement park, and there is another story sequence you can open, where you play as a robot who doesn't like fighting for half an hour, and it, it's basically um, this whole sequence that follows him as he continuously doesn't want to fight, doesn't want to fight, doesn't want to fight, and then he gets recycled. And there's like this CG cutscene that basically shows like all these dolls being recycled, and you know it gets again to the same idea of pointless. It's actually really beautiful. If you guys haven't played it, you should. It's not that expensive. With the it's, a, it's titled really ridiculously like Three C. Well, it's a little blah, late blah, for blah. that, Zach. <laughs> you it's know, a, it's a, good a point. weird date chain, basically. You or... know what? That's a really good point for Joe and Mike. <laughs> and Mike, you guys can't play it. Never mind. Actually, I wonder, here's a good question. If you uploaded your save data before that end choice to, like, you know, the cloud, could you then like, re-download like it? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if the game, know. you know, can tell or whatnot that you <laughs> that you downloaded save data from the it, cloud because you could pro- maybe get around, around that if I, you I wanted think to it have re- your cake and eat it too. I think it remembers that you've deleted the data at least once because the, uh, the, the, me- the opening menu screen changed for me. Yeah. It's really cool too. Mm-hmm. It's in Emile's area which we didn't even talk about a meal but we, we're out of time so oh, wait we, 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 you mean with the flowers no yeah. no no you, it's different it's it, it's it's all black with us with a single sword oh yeah but it, but it's like in emile's area around all the flowers if you mm-hmm. do that side quest um you can see like a bunch of litter tier flowers around it this is not yeah you you yeah. get that even if you don't up you delete your data no i i, I got oh, the flower okay. i got the flowers one but then it but then it changed after i deleted my data I could be wrong, too. <laughs> but we, we've gone almost two hours, and it is uh, time to end the podcast. Um, the, the, again, there's, there's so much to talk about in this game that we, we could have an episode three, but uh, alas, we shall not. Um, next month, we're going to have an episode on Dragon Quest Your Story, the uh, animated film adaptation of Dragon Quest V that goes some unusual places. Um, <laughs> yeah, without getting into too many details, but, but we'll get pl- into plenty of detail when we record that episode. Uh, and also an episode on RPG adaptations. Uh, I did an episode on that with a handful of people two years ago. 
and we're gonna bring back that idea where uh, which stories from outside video from outside RPGs do we think could be adapted into great RPGs? Um, I guarantee that Peter will talk about Lord of the Rings for a solid ten minutes on that on that episode. But beyond <laughs> that, I, I'm not I'm not sure how it's gonna go. And also two episodes on Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp Fe. The unusual blend of Fire Emblem and uh, and Shin Megami Tensei, um, made by Atlas for the Wii U five years ago and the Switch earlier this year. So uh, I'm in chapter two of that game out of I think six or seven. So it is, oh boy, it's a it's a it's a, a rainbow of RPG stuff. I I will have a lot of uh, things to talk about for those two episodes, which are coming in late March. Uh, but uh, listeners, if you want to um, reach out to us on the podcast, the best way to do, uh, do so is email retro at RPGFan.com. RPGFan.com also has message boards, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a Twitter account, a Discord server, and uh, a Twitch channel with something new streaming every day. Please experience RPG Fan however you want. And uh, speaking of other experiences, there's three other podcasts in RPG Fan, Random Encounter about randomness, Rhythm Encounter about RPG Fan music, and Phoenix Edge, uh, which is a weekly streamed on YouTube podcast that mostly focuses on current events. And so please review Retro Encounter and those three other podcasts on iTunes or however you prefer to experience your podcasts. We We will take all the feedback that you're willing to provide. Before we delete ourselves from this podcast, let's tell the listeners how to find us, uh, starting with you, Caitlin. I am Leanne Gazerell on Twitter and Discord. And Joe. I am at Courser Fears on uh, Twitter, and Discord, and Instagram. And Zach. Uh, you can reach me by emailing me at ZachW at RPGFan.com or at ZachW on Discord. And listeners, you can find me at The Real Monsoon on Twitter, at Evoker for Dogs also on Twitter. Monsoon Mike on Discord and Monsoon on RPG fans forums that I've not visited in months. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I need to go and watch something cheerful or get a warm hug or something after after the places we went on this podcast. <sighs> Listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck. Jamal.